We're starting a, a new series this morning on discipleship. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that word discipleship, but I can guarantee there's a whole bunch of different things that come to mind when we say the word discipleship. Maybe that's a new word for you, or maybe that's one of your great passions in life, discipleship. It's a funny word, though, in the sense that we all, almost all of us know it, but we think different things when we think discipleship. So first question, why are we going to give ourselves to this word discipleship? Well, after John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Behind John 3.16, one of the most well-known verses in the scriptures is Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples. That's the command. This is Jesus right before he ascends into heaven. He's going, here's my, my final words. Go and do what? Make disciples. How? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And what? What's the promise? And I am with you always even to the end of the age. So our mission to make disciples. So let's make sure we all get on the same page as we begin this series on discipleship. What's a disciple? Very simply, a disciple is a follower striving to become like their leader. Now, as you can tell, I've stripped the Christian from it from a moment for a moment because there are disciples beyond Christian disciples. A disciple, therefore, generically, is someone who is seeking to emulate, become like their leader, a follower. As Christian disciples, our leaders, of course, Jesus Christ. So as a disciple, we are followers striving to become like their leader. Make sense? Pretty simple. What is, therefore, discipleship? If a disciple is someone striving to become like their leader, what is it when we say discipleship? Discipleship, very simply, helping others on that journey to become like Jesus. So when we talk discipleship, here's what we're talking about. Helping others on a journey to becoming like Jesus question for you. By a show of hands, here in South, North, even if you're watching online, you can raise your hand. How many of you have been discipled? All right. Wow. Vast majority of you. When you say you've been discipled, many of you are probably thinking, yes, there was a time in my life where I sat down with someone likely of the same gender for a certain amount of time, and we went through a material together. They discipled me. How many of you were thinking about that when you raised your hand and said, I've been discipled? Yeah, many of you, you had somebody disciple you in that way. Is that discipleship, small group, gender-like for content? Is that discipleship? Yes. Is this discipleship, worship service? 
Yeah, 14 of you think so. What about the other 300? Is this discipleship? Yeah, see, sometimes I was mildly, no, wildly shocked sitting with a, a group of our leaders and ask, is our worship service disciple making? And they were like, no, that's not discipleship. What were they thinking? Small group, gender specific, certain amount. This is church. This isn't discipleship. But if this is not helping you on your journey of becoming like Jesus, you know what? Let's just go home. <laughs> Honestly. This is actually one of our primary discipleship moments to help you become like Jesus. So this is discipleship. Hey, a small group, a life-on-life group, that's discipleship. Worship service, discipleship. Alpha, is that discipleship? Do you know what alpha is? Helping people have spiritual questions to answer those questions in a a non-threatening environment, that's discipleship. Uh, Is serving in the nursery discipleship? Okay, I know you're on the yes train now. I feel like I need to say is, you know, eating ice cream discipleship. Yes? No, come on. (laughs) expanding the kingdom, yes, but uh, that's a different expansion that we're talking about. (laughs) Serving in the nursery discipleship? Okay, I'll, I'll expand this more next week, but specifically, think of this. If we imported all those babies that are right over there and brought them in here, would that impact this time of our journey? Yeah, you understand we have, we actually have a nursery and people serve in a nursery for discipleship purposes. I want us to understand this. If we're doing something at Christian Family Chapel that is not helping you become more like Jesus, then we got to just stop it because we're burning time and energy on stuff that isn't core to our mission, making disciples. So it is a journey. And, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So some of you will recognize this and you go, oh, I've, I've heard this before. Don't ask yourself, have you heard it before? Ask yourself this, where am I and how am I growing in my journey to become like Jesus? So some objects for us. All discipleship, this journey begins right here. You know what that is? Can you tell? Okay, that's a coffin. All discipleship begins here. Why? Well, what are real people, what's true about real people in real coffins? You've never seen me this close, have you? Yes, you're like, ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a lot taller, right? Uh, <laughs> what's true about real people in real coffins? They're dead. And this is what is true about every person on their spiritual journey. They are born, I was born, you were born physically alive, but spiritually 
dead. So you see, if you take notes, you'll see on your message memo, the first of four circles. You can either, if you're artistic, you can draw a coffin, or if you're me, you could write coffin, all right? But everybody starts here, dead. See, that's radically different than what we are told by our culture. We're not spiritually dead. We're good people who just need to learn to be a a little better. But that's not true. The scripture says that we're dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. All of us have sinned. And the wages of sin is death. All right. I think many of you know that, but this is where we begin. As cute as my grandkids are, they're spiritually dead. Minus a few of them now, thank the Lord. Because what happened? Here's what happened. They came to understand that they needed to be, dead people need to be raised up but they can't do that. Dead people need to be raised up. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he, God, made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it, to the cross. So it is only through what Jesus Christ has done by his substitutionary sacrificial death on the cross that we who are dead in our sins can be raised up. See, there needs to be a a point in time for every single person to recognize I deserve God's wrath I cannot save myself. I'll never be good enough. I need Jesus to save me. That's humbling. Because many of us would admit, I'm not perfect, but think I'm not that bad. But I can not save myself because I am dead. In my sin, I need Jesus to do something for me that I can't do for myself. That's why we declare hallelujah for the, for the cross, for what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. So that if we believe in him, what he has done for us, that we would be raised up from the dead and we would move from a coffin to a crib. We move from a coffin to a crib where we are now because we are born again. We start as infants. What's true of real people in real coffins? They're dead. What's true of real people in real cribs? They're babies. What else is true? What can they do? Yeah, eat, poop, sleep, to wake up, to eat. You don't want to say it. Poop, and then sleep. It's just, you're like, how do you say that? Yes, that's what babies do. Is that wrong? 
No, that's just what babies do. Babies are 100% dependent. And, and we should understand, when a person comes to Christ by believing him, they are dependent upon people who are more spiritually mature than them to feed them, to help them, to lead them, to pick them up, to carry them, to clean them. There is dependence. And it's, it's normal when a person is born again to be a, a consumer. Everybody who is born again starts here, but here's the key. No one is intended to stay here. This is why when Paul writes the Corinthians, he says, I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not. That's an important word in this text. You are not yet able. In other words, there is intended to be a time where you move from the bottle to solid food. There's a time that you should grow up. And he says, indeed, even now you are not yet able. In other words, it seems like you're getting a little stuck in the, the crib. You need to grow up. And here's what's awesome about growing up. Every kid wants to. Right? Many of you don't want to count your birthdays anymore. But do you remember when you wanted to count your birthdays? You're like, yes. A terrible moment uh, when my oldest daughter, Christy, turned 12. Uh, for some reason, I'm not sure what was going on, but she had, we thought it'd be really cool for her 12th birthday before school to take her to Waffle House. And so we're sitting at the bar. She had never like been at the bar at Waffle House. We're sitting at the bar at Waffle House. And the lady comes up and says, oh, hey, you ever been? No, 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 this is my birthday. Oh, so are you like seven? <laughs> and she was, she, she looked like she was seven, but she was turning 12. She still is bitter at that lady. <laughs> Seriously, she still gets angry when she thinks about that lady at Waffle House. Because when you're, you're young, you want to you wanna grow up. So I'm in Greenville last week with our youngest son and their baby who's maybe eight months old. And she's not crawling yet. So I just had to sit her down and say, look, Avery, it's time for you to learn to crawl. <laughs> no, no. In the three days that we were there, she went from stationary to starting to scoot. She hadn't figured out how to get the knees involved, but she's army like scooting around the, the floors. I didn't have to tell her to do it. She wants to, yeah, she wants to grow up. She'd like to go, I'd like to get to places I can't get to right now. And that changes things, right? Yeah, it's, it's good. You see, it, you start here, but you don't stay here. You grow up and you learn to walk and you learn to talk and you learn to brush your teeth, to take a shower. Some of my kids still working on that one, <laughs> right? They learn to, <laughs> sorry, it's my son's in-laws over here and he's still working on it. They know it. 
sour old month is plenty. <laughs> it means to grow up. You're following spiritually, aren't you? See, there's the spiritual of learning to, to walk in the spirit and to feed myself, not just show up at church and have Doug give me the bottle. Learning to go, huh, there's other things that, that need to be done here. Like somebody needs to get the campus ready and somebody needs to take out the trash after it's all over. That's part of growing up. Scripture says it this way, as a result, we're no longer to be children. See, we start as children, but we're not intended to stay as children. Not, yes, children of God, but not stay as children who are just constant consumers. Uh, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects. Where? <laughs> Into him who is the head, even Christ. See, this is discipleship. From whom the whole body, whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint. See, you're like in this image, you're a joint. By which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. You're a part of a, a whole. Proper working causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. See, the journey starts, I'm dead. I can't help myself. Christ does for me what I could not do for myself. I am born again. And then people do for me until I learn. And as I learn, I have that incredible privilege of growing up and moving from a crib to, this one's a little trickier. Well, you get the idea. <laughs> to the table. And this is really sweet. Because right here at the table, I can feed myself and you can feed yourself. And we don't need to like put tarps under any of us. And I can pass to you the pineapple and you can pass me an apple. See, it's at the table that we get this incredible picture of that we're a family. And as a family, we practice the one another's. You know what I mean by the one another's? Pray for one another. Serve one another. Encourage one another. Help one another. It's, it's here that we really have the joy of experiencing family. Now, again, I don't know about your growing up physically and your real physical family, but I hope you had family time at the table, laughter. Joy, good memories, good food. And then 
everybody got up and one person cleaned off the table and another person rinsed and another person loaded and another person swept. My son always thought that meant slept instead of swept. That's how he changed it on the refrigerator from sweeping to sleeping. That was his role. But yeah, everybody participating. And this seems like really sweet. Like this is the goal right here. Except what happens in a healthy body is this. We're enjoying life at the table and then what do we hear? Babies crying in the crib. And we enjoy conversation at the table and part of our conversation about maybe someone at work or someone who lives down the street is, well, they're still actually dead. Physically alive, but spiritually dead. And there's this work of God in our hearts where we go, I love this but I love them as well. And so there's this, I'm going to get up from the table and go to the stove. Because here at the stove, what can I do? I can live with an intentionality that helps other people. See, I need to be raised up off in a crib. I need to grow up crib to table and then I need to not need to, I get to. I get to. Do you hear the difference? I get to get up and be a part of helping others who aren't just like me where I am in my journey. See, that's what's comfortable here. These are folks like me, mature like me. But, but I get to get here and do what? Go, oh, I need, to, I need to prepare the living bread of the gospel. Not to just keep in the kitchen, but to prepare that so that I can, good luck, cameraman, uh, so that I can <laughs> take it back to the, to the neighbor or to work. Or maybe a family member. You see what I'm saying? But this, there's privilege of I'm getting to give my life for the sake of others on their journey. I'm able to get up and involve myself intentional multiplication. See, there's something dramatically different about the table to the stove. That here, and some of you all know this, right? You've physically spent a fair amount of time in the kitchen. And in the kitchen, that's very clear. I am here for the sake of others who aren't here. Does that make sense? I am in here specifically for the sake of others to serve those who aren't here. See, here I get to serve people who are like me, who are here. Here, 
It's an intentional multiplication. Paul gives it this perspective. We're ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He's simply saying, going to the stove, you don't stay at the stove. It's going to the stove so that you can engage those who are still dead. See, it's that I'm going back and it's just not there. Uh, We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. I'm not only taking the bread of life and living water to the dead, I'm taking truth to help those who are alive (laughs) but still can't. Walk in the spirit. Haven't learned yet. Walk in the spirit. You learn to walk in the spirit? To study the scriptures themselves. To begin to take responsibility. Understand, God has gifted me. Hmm. I can actually do for others what people have done for me. See, but to do that, I have to Do what? Get up. Because that won't happen at the table. Has to get up and, and live intentionally for those who are lost. Live intentionally for those who need to grow up. We go back not only to those who are dead in sin, but to those who are infants in Christ. And then... Paul tells young Timothy this. He says, the things which you've heard from me, here, Timothy, it's you matured, things you heard from me, here's what I want you to do. I want you to entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see what he's saying? He's saying intentional multiplication is not only reaching those who are still dead and reaching those who need to mature. Intentional multiplication is helping those who have been faithful to get up as well. Helping those who need to be raised up, helping those who need to grow up, helping those who need to get up. You You see the journey? It's raised up, grow up, get up, so that you can help people be raised up, grow up, and get up. And I want you to understand. We call it the journey of a disciple. If I could add a word, it's the joy-filled journey. Because it's, is it joyful to go from dead to alive? Yeah, I mean, we only know that spiritually. That's joyful. Joyful to go from dead to life. It's joyful to grow up. Man, you remember how, how excited you were just earthly, physically to move from dependent to independence. It's good to spiritually grow up. And there is a unique joy and privilege in getting up and being a part of other people's journey.
Did you capture that? See, it's, is there some sacrifice involved? Sure. Is it worth it? hundred times over. To be able to say, I was in, involved, comfortable. I got up and went, I'm going to go serve in Alpha. To help those who have still not found Christ. Or, <laughs> I'm going to get up and I'm actually going to go be a, a junior high leader. Because I remember squirrel I was in junior high. We were all squirrels. Whether you knew it or not, we were all squirrels in junior high. And the people would invest, you see? I'm actually going to go work in children's ministry. Intentional multiplication. What a joy. So a couple questions. Could you take a stick figure and draw yourself on your journey? You know where you are? Thursday night, got to meet a, a young lady. She's been, I met her back, what's this, August? Met her back at the end of May at a guest luncheon. They would have after the service a couple times a year. Met her at a guest luncheon. She had just started coming. And a Thursday, she went from dead in her sins to alive in Christ. And it's joyful as we continue to see folks move from dead to alive. Because you, you, you can get stuck here. Here's the way the scripture describes it. Hearing and hearing, hearing and hearing and hearing, but never believing. You see, you can be here and, and know about Jesus, and I've heard about Jesus, and even talk to Jesus but never have repented and believed. So I would anticipate some listening right now have heard, but you're still here. Does a healthy church have people in their services who are still dead in their sins? Yeah, sure. Sure. Why? <laughs> people got up from the table and <laughs> invited them. So, if you've been hearing and hearing, but you've not yet believed, let me invite you this morning. Admit you deserve God's wrath, but believe that Jesus is taking it on your behalf and receive what the Bible calls a free gift of forgiveness and salvation. Be reconciled to God. She became a new person in Christ. <laughs> and she was like, I'm a baby. <laughs> She's an infant. She's like, what, three days old now? And by her own admission, not picking on her, by her own admission, I've made a bit of a wreck of my life, being dead in my sin. And you know how good it is to say, we can help you. 
we can help you. Learn to live as God has intended you to live. Spiritual growth is something that God does in us. I was reminded with great joy this morning. Uh, Here's what the scripture says. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The desire for a, a new person in Christ, that desire to grow, you know where that comes from? That comes from God. That is him at work in you, a desire to now actually read the scriptures and the capacity to, to understand the scriptures. You know where that comes from? It comes from the Lord. Here's the thing. You can quench it. What that means, you can resist it. And get stuck here. It happens. It may have been 10 years ago that you actually were raised up. You trusted in Jesus. But in reality, your spiritual life, you still live like an infant, which was great. <laughs> Month one and two and three. But, but 10-year-olds, if you had a physical 10-year-old still live in a crib, you'd be a little like, it's time to grow up, Right? And that might be the word of the Lord to some of you this morning. You've trusted in Jesus, but you've stayed immature. You haven't learned to walk in the spirit. To eat the scriptures for yourself. To recognize I'm part of a family. They serve me. I serve them. They pray for me, I pray for them. And there's some very clear steps for you to take this morning and in the coming weeks because you recognize, wow, I've been alive but not maturing. It's time for me to grow up. I don't want to be stuck any longer in the crib. As sweet and good as this is, this is where we can often get stuck. Because this is, this is good. It's comfortable. In fact, sometimes we're we're inclined to pull up a recliner to the table. (laughs) Get me a little remote so that I actually never have to get up. You ever been at a, at a real table and then everybody heard a real baby crying and then it's kind of like, who's getting up? <laughs> and 
it's not horrible to get up. It's just, I'm going to miss the table. I'm going to miss the conversation. You know, in, in real life, my wife has often said, wow, I love serving. I, I love preparing meals for you guys. But sometimes I feel like I miss out. And because we don't want to feel like miss out, we can get stuck there. And the dead stay dead and the babies stay immature because we ended up pulling up recliners to the table. And we know, we know, I hope you know, oh, there's great joy in getting up. But there's sacrifice. And sometimes we quench the spirit. It's God potentially right now speaking to you going, yeah, you've had a lot of really good food fed to you for a lot of years. Who are you giving it to? Who are, who, who are you investing in as those who were ahead of you invested in you? We don't want to get stuck here. If we get stuck here, we won't make disciples. Because we'll enjoy this and miss this. So here is, as we embark on this series of discipleship, here's my heart. What Paul says. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. Anybody perfect? <laughs> no? If you are, well, let's just say you're not. Because if you are, you're in heaven, and you're not. You know this in heaven. It's not 400 degrees in heaven, right? <laughs> this is in heaven. So we're not perfect. If we're not, as some say, if we're not dead, what? He's not done with us. So I'm not perfect. None of us are. So what? So I press on. I'm going to capture this. So that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. What's the that? What was I laid hold of for? Do you know? You were laid hold of by Christ so that he, according to the spirit of God in you, you would be becoming like him so that you might... Do what he would do, make disciples who make disciples. You see that? It's that he laid a hold of me so that the earth would be filled with his glory by disciples who make disciples who make disciples. See, it's intentional multiplication. I love the fact that that folks in recent weeks here that will get some baptisms next week who have been raised from the dead, they're going to grow up. And as they grow up, other people are going to be raised up. And as they're raised up, they're going to grow up. And as they get up, then other people are going to be raised up. And other people are going to be 
grown up. You, you see it? It's this river of life, of not stagnant, not a pond, but flowing. I'm going to press on. I'm not going to get stuck. I'm going to keep growing into what Christ has laid hold of me for. That I would be a disciple who makes a disciple who makes disciples. Is everybody supposed to be here right now? No. See, not all of us are going to be here right now. I don't expect her to be here right now. She was born again Thursday. But other of us, we should be here. We got stuck there. Some of us should be here, but we got stuck here. And some of us should be here, but we got stuck here. So let's press on. Could that resonate in your heart right now? That you would want to, to press on. Here's a good test for you. If you put yourself a stick figure where you are, just ask yourself, am I stuck there? Have I been there for like a long time now? Then, then let's make this our prayer. Let's press on to the joy-filled journey of taking hold of that for which we were taken hold of for. Let me invite you to, to bow with me. We're going to stand in a moment and our band will lead us in a song of pressing on. But let me just give you an opportunity as we're bowed together. Maybe you recognize uh, you've heard and heard and heard, but you've never believed. Never repented of your sin, believed in Jesus, and received the free gift of eternal life. If the Spirit of God, and this might be totally new to you, if the Spirit of God is, is like knocking on your heart right now, You sense he, he is saying to you, repent and believe. Be born again. Then I invite you. Right where you sit, acknowledge your sin. And trust in Jesus. If that was a moment a long time ago in your life, but you really haven't grown up, you recognize yourself kind of a little like, oh, wow, I never thought of myself as still an infant, but that's really how you participate in the body of Christ just as a consumer. Would you right now just tell the Lord, Lord, 
I want to grow up. I know I need to grow up. Thanks for putting that desire in my heart. And maybe you've felt the, uh, the recognition. You've gotten a little comfortable at the table, and it's time for you to get up, to invest very intentionally. Those who are still dead in their sins, those who are still immature in Christ, you've been fed a lot. You've had a lot of truth invested in you, and you want to begin to share. Just tell the Lord that. Lord, lead me. I, I want to do for others what others have done for me. Lord, thank you for this joy-filled journey that you, you have invited us on. And I pray that in the coming weeks, coming months, that we would grow into the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ as sons and daughters. We might spur one another to love and to good works, to the praise of your glory and the fullness of our joy in Christ's name. Let's stand together. Sons and daughters, bought with blood and washed in water, seen the praises of Spirit, Son and Father. Our God will finish what He started. Oh, our God will finish what He started. This is my testimony. Grace rewrote my story. This is my testimony. This is.
so good to declare that with you, and so grateful for Doug uh, reminding of this again, this, this river of life. I love that image, and we see that even now as, as different things are happening on campus. We've got people all over the all over this um, illustration uh, doing what God intended us to do, uh, to press on. Um, so that's my encouragement to you. If we can pray for you in any way, we have men and women who are available between the auditoriums. We'd love to do that, and I just hope you have a great day. Thanks for being here. God bless.